Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome to Out of the Blue on this sunny Sunday morning in the studio this morning. Um, myself, Donna, Matt and Farm. We've got an interesting show for you today. We've got a few announcements and events to share with you all. And instead of interviewing someone else, we thought we'd interview each other and share a little bit more about ourselves with you today. So that is all coming up after this short cut. programs provide information and analysis you won't hear in the mainstream. Today we'll be looking at the legacy of the US war on Vietnam on Laos. And as far as corporate capitalism is concerned, it is the worst political and economic system that you can have. Our laws about jailing refugees and asylum seekers are so well crafted. Sex is not irrelevant and we like who we are, but we don't have to be imprisoned by our gender. Become a subscriber today. Call us on 9419 or visit 3cr.org.au. 3CR, the voice of dissent. Welcome back to 855 AM 3CR. You're listening to Out of the Blue and it's Donna, Matt and Farm in the studio today. Farm has some announcements to share with everyone. Yeah, it's going to be a really exciting summer at um, the Eco Centre, I think. Um, we have just been approved a Port Phillip Bay funding um, and we're also uh, working on citizen science projects with RMIT. Um, under the Federal Citizen Science Grant, and we are looking for volunteers. We're looking for volunteers. So one project that is going to be running over summer is um, a a project where RMIT has teamed up with the Eco Centre, and we're going to look at uh, the effects of sunscreen uh, in Port Phillip Bay, uh, specifically Mm. the effects of particular chemicals that are used in sunscreen uh, that are known to be uh, actually really bad for corals. So uh, there's, there's been a lot of research done in this area already, mostly in, in Hawaii and um, on Hawaiian coral reefs where um, uh, an ingredient called oxybenzone um, is actually quite toxic. So it, it doesn't only uh, make the corals bleach more quickly, but it also um, 
kind of <coughs> mutates their DNA. So it actually messes with their DNA and their reproduction and it will actually uh, mutate their, the coral larvae. So mm-hmm. when the larvae are, are sort of, you know, swim, still swimming around and finding a place to settle, they tend to encapsulate themselves in their own skeleton. Um, so that's obviously quite a, a large effect. And not all sunscreens have these, these sorts of chemicals in them, but we just don't really know what effect um, those chemicals have on the marine environment in temperate waters. And uh, since Port Phillip Bay is obviously a, a t- temperate water, and there are some corals in Port Phillip Bay, um, but we are mostly looking at the effect of, of sunscreen chemicals on phytoplankton. And phytoplankton is basically <clears throat> the bottom of the food chain. So phytoplankton are all those like tiny little dinoflagellates and algae and things like that that will... Um, absorb the sunlight and they will make the, the the sun's energy available to the rest of the food chain through photosynthesis. So they're they're really important um, to have in the bay because they provide food for so many different species. Um, so it's a really interesting research project and I, and I have to say that the goal of this is not to get people not to wear sunscreen, obviously, because, you know, uh, last year alone, 75,000 people were diagnosed with skin cancer. And, um, you know, in, in Australia, two out of three people get skin cancer before they reach the age of 70. So this is a very serious issue. So I need to stress that, mm-hmm. you know, it is not we are not um, trying to prove that sunscreen is bad for you. Um, but what we do, what we would like to know is more of the effect on, uh, on, on sea life um, and see where we can improve. So there's, there's already measurements of the levels of these chemicals in the water? Is no, it, and that's right? the interesting thing. So this is um, the, the part of what the eco-centre is, is going to help with. So uh, we need volunteers to come and help us take water samples over summer. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a three-year project, and we're going to have a seven sample days over summer, and we're going to have five sample days over winter for the next three years. Um, so what we want to do is we are um, setting up groups in St Kilda, Elwood and in Rye and uh, we are hoping for volunteers to come and help us take the water samples on really nice sunny days when there's lots of people swimming in the water wearing sunscreen Um, and those water samples are then taken to the lab at um, RMIT where they will run a lot of tests on them so they will look at the effect on the phytoplankton they will be looking at um, how quickly uh, the sunscreen disperses in the water they'll look at concentrations of uh, of sunscreen in the water samples and things like that Um, just so we can get a better idea of of how the sunscreen behaves and uh, what effect it has on on marine life. Um, and if it's having an effect on marine life, what's it doing to us? Well, well, that's really interesting because a lot of sunscreens have what they call nanoparticles in them. Mm. So the active ingredients are usually, if it's not oxybenzone. Um, it's usually zinc oxide or titanium dioxide. And those are on a, on a micro scale, they're no, in their normal molecules, they're fine. Um, but when they become very, very small particles, so in the nano size, mm. um, all of a sudden they start behaving differently. And it's it's a it's kind of a little bit like um, like quantum physics, you know, like you know the physical world, uh, and it behaves according to certain principles. But as soon as you go super small, 
all yeah. those rules change. And it's a mm. little bit like that with uh, with uh, nanoparticles of zinc oxide and titanium dioxide. Um, now, they've done testing. So the, the government has actually brought out a report. They, they had it tested. They had, um, you know, people go through all of the research that has been done on sunscreens. And it is absolutely not bad for people. So mm. sunscreen with nanoparticles will stay on your skin so yeah. it doesn't penetrate. However, um, if those... If these particles get into the environment, because they are a nano size, which is tiny, they're actually the same size as DNA helixes, right? Wow. So, And they are also, many of them are extremely reactive because they are so small. And um, that is because of the ratio of the, the, the surface and the uh, volume of the molecules. I won't bore you with that. It's very sciencey. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you just have to take my word for it. So that they're very reactive. And so... Um, uh, they they might have an effect on on marine life and the DNA of marine life that we we you know don't want to have out in the environment. So um, so so we will be looking at at that as well and, and you know different chemicals um, in so sunscreen. You did mention that not all uh, sunscreens have these chemicals. Yeah, that's right. So it would be a matter of looking at these results and then making an informed choice on the yeah. brand or the type of sunscreen. Exactly. The yeah, thing not, is just like... Not, not using sunscreen? Just no, exactly. Maybe changing your choice. That's right, yeah. because there are quite a number of... And, and that's really on the uptrend um, because of the research that has been done where... Um, you know, there are more and more environmentally friendly sunscreens you can use that are great for preventing skin cancer and have no detrimental effect on the environment. So there are there are choices already mm. that you can make, um, but we just don't really know the extent of the effect here yeah. in, in temperate waters. So that's mm. what we'll be testing. So great. if you're interested in getting involved as a volunteer um, in taking water samples over summer, please feel free to send me an email at um at ecocenter.com that's f-a-m at ecocenter.com and i will send you a brief and we have a newsletter as well so you can sign up to the project um and yeah there will be training days organized on how to take the samples because we want to keep the science in citizen science so we need to make sure that the sample taking is is, is done well um yeah, and then hopefully after this summer we can get some uh, preliminary results and see what is happening out there. So it's pretty pretty exciting stuff. Great. So we'll put um, your email address up on our Facebook page and a little bit more information about that. Yeah, we'll put um, uh, probably the link to the, the uh, newsletter that you can sign up there. And also the project has a Facebook page as well, which is called um, Sunscreen and Bay Marine Life sunscreen and bay marine life is a page as well that's Great. which we will post now donna Ooh. you had a bit of a tribute request to another fallen musician yeah i do <clears throat> um unfortunately uh, malcolm young from much loved australian rock band acdc passed away this morning late last night um he was 64 and we are going to play back in black i believe as a tribute to acdc and malcolm young ah, on you malcolm Welcome back. You're tuned to 855 Welcome AM. back to Obviously Live Radio. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry about that little 
delayed start to that ACDC song there. Um, but it did remind me of a funny story. I was at the footy oh, a few years ago now and it was one of the finals and they did the can everyone please stand up for the Australian national anthem situation <laughs> and the whole crowd's standing and it's completely silent and the guy presses play in the, you know, control room or whatever and the first, like, few bars of Thunderstruck start playing. <laughs> just like erupted that and it is, went for like 10 that seconds is so, that is so australian <laughs> can i great. say that that's awesome yeah they yeah quickly stopped that and put the national anthem back on yeah it was pretty funny so yeah that was acdc with back in black um a couple more announcements from farm so tangaroa blue foundation is running some more source reduction plan workshops um around port phillip bay this year and next year Um, Source reduction plan workshops are basically community workshops where community members who are interested in tackling litter at the source, so rather than just cleaning up, but actually tackling it at the source, um, get the, the skills to design projects where they can actually do that, preventing stuff from getting out onto our beaches and into the waterways um, before, you know, before it actually um, gets into the environment. Prevention so, is better than cure. Yes, exactly, Donna. <clears throat> now, uh, you guys will be very interested to hear that Donna will actually be facilitating parts Ooh. of those workshops. So yeah. I'm pretty excited Project about Project Management that. 101. Oh, yeah. Yep. So I'm pretty excited about, uh, about being involved in that. Um, so the first workshop is going to be on the 6th of December on a Wednesday in Queenscliff. Uh, it will be at the Marine and Freshwater Discovery Centre in Queenscliff. And if you want to register, send an email to fum at tangaroablue.org. You can also go to the Tangaroa Blue Facebook page and there will be a link to the events there. And the second workshop will be on the 8th of December on Friday in that same week at uh, in Mount Martha. It will be organized, uh, joint organized by um, Mornington Peninsula Shire. And it will be at the Briars Homestead in the uh, lovely... Um, eco display living center uh, same thing if you want to know more or sign up um, find them on facebook uh, or send me an email at fum at tangaroablue.org and help us tackle litter at the source and take care of our beautiful bay cool that's it for our announcements and now we are going to move into a bit of an interview with each other <laughs> q a q a so i've written a few questions out because we're all Ocean lovers, divers, marine biologists, something else. <laughs> Lots of different things. Red guitar solo player. Yes. Um, but we never really talk about what we do. We always interview other people. So I thought it might be fun to just spend the rest of our show today just chatting about our experiences with the ocean and how we came to be here and sharing with you our passion. So the first question, so we're all going to answer these. <laughs> Is someone who name someone who has influenced your passion for the oceans and why or how? Who wants to go first? Ooh, there's Ooh. been so many. Da, da. Fun, you can I, start. Uh, well, <clears throat> somebody who has influenced my passion about the oceans, I think, uh, in a very indirect way, my my godfather played a big role in that. Not necessarily because he was so much of an ocean lover, but he actually facilitated me on doing my first dive course. 
Um, so I was in I was in uni. I had just finished my first year, and and my mom and my godfather teamed up and said, "Look, if you manage to pass all of your exams of the first year in the first year, then we will buy you like as a present. We will buy you a uh, uh, your first dive course." Well, that was obviously uh, enough of a motivation, so I managed to do that cool. and party, but I still passed. And um, yeah, so so I went diving and. Um, Stuck my head on the water and really loved it. And then my godfather took me to the Philippines um, to do my advanced on a beautiful holiday there. And that just ruined me forever. I stuck my head under the water and I was swimming in between the fish and, you know, all of the colors of the coral reefs. And I realized that I didn't understand what I was looking at, even though I was studying biology. All those corals and, and, and anemones and all of those weird things, I just... It was so weird and I didn't understand what I was looking at and that just fascinated me to the end and that's when I became a marine biologist and I said, okay, this is going to be it. So, yeah, so that cool. sort of indirect influence. So what about you, Matt? Well, this is going to sound a bit soppy, but um, I'm from northeast Victoria, so I didn't get to see much of the ocean growing up, except I used to go on trips to Warrnambool with my mum and mum used to take out a bit of time to take me down onto the beach to the rock pools and we'd look through and see what we could see in all the rock mm. pools. And then I can't think of what the island's called, but it's the one with the maremmas that's protecting the penguins just offshore from Warrnambool near the breakwater. Oh, yeah. I know someone who worked with those dogs. And at a low tide, you can wade across there at about knee depth. And I remember wading across there and seeing all the little white baits swimming around my ankles. And I was just (laughs) entranced. And then there used to be an aquarium at the breakwater that's now filled in with concrete, unfortunately. But I remember seeing my first sharks there. I think there were a couple of gummy sharks swimming around in this tiny little tank, and I was just mesmerized. Yeah, well, so, for the listeners who don't know this yet, Matt is a bit of a shark person. Yeah. <laughs> but even now, <clears throat> driving to the beach and just seeing that little glimmer of blue on the horizon over the tops of the hills, yeah, still gets me going. Yeah, it's magic, isn't it? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. How about you, Donna? Um, a little bit tacky, but I was obsessed with that TV show Ocean Girl. I don't know if you either yeah. of you remember it. No. <laughs> it was this girl called Neri. She was the main character. <laughs> and she was um she was Ocean Girl, so she lived in the ocean. She was kind of like a mermaid, I guess. And she, she had like a double life. A tail? Um I think she had legs. Yeah, she had legs and then right. she had like a companion humpback whale called Charlie. As you do. And they used to like communicate and that whale never migrated. It was just always in this same bay. <laughs> <laughs> it was really strange. And I remember like wanting to be that girl. And she had like a double life because she was like, you know, half on land. And yeah. Yeah. Um, and then probably as well, my family have a house down at Venus Bay. So we've had that land. Um, well, it's been in our family for decades. And yeah, I just spent most of our, well, all of our school holidays at the beach down at Venus Bay. Um yeah, so probably my family as well, just taking us, or me and my sisters, to the beach like every single school holidays and getting to be in that ocean, which is kind of scary. <laughs> and mum just yelling at us to not go in past our knees because yeah. <laughs> yeah. we'd get carried away yeah. or something like yeah. that. Cool. That's great. All right, the next question is um, a story or an event that has opened your eyes to what's going on in the oceans. So something that kind of – you kind of answered that already with your snorkel story yeah, from the Philippines. Yeah, a little bit. But but was there an event um, or a um, – No, it actually – because I was so interested, you know, in learning <coughs> all about coral and coral reefs, um, you know, and then I started doing my, my um, bachelor and specialising in the marine ecology space. 
um, I decided to do... I went to Asia a few more times and I started seeing the coral reefs disappear slowly but surely in in particular places. So I became really curious and I ended up doing a bachelor th- uh, like a bachelor thesis project um about the threats to coral reefs in in general in the world. So I was researching it quite extensively but from a scientific point of view so I was, you know, looking at journals and things like that and um discovering that there was a lot of uh research being done in that space because back then it was you know a lot of cyanide fishing uh dynamite fishing um that sort of thing climate change obviously as well so um so i i sort of discovered you know what was going on and what the threats were in from a scientific point of view yeah mm, good one that uh during my study <clears throat> i was invited to do some contributions to the IUCN shark specialist group cool. so i did some assessments on some some species there and just looking in depth at the the status of a lot of species of sharks around the world and hearing from other researchers that were presenting on different species just the the the, the numbers um the declines of large predatory oceanic species including bony fish as well as sharks you know up to 95% reductions mm. in the populations worldwide that you just don't hear about you know it's 95% mm. is gone yeah we just, it's incomprehensible. Sort of, we're not changing our behaviour dramatically mm, yeah, to, to adjust yeah. for that. You know, everyone just is business as usual when it comes to fishing. Mm. That yeah, that really opened my eyes to some of the big problems out there. Mm. Cool. Um, and mine's probably again mid nineties. The um, French nuclear testing at Muroa Atoll in the Pacific Ocean. That was like a big. Um, that was such a big deal, and I couldn't comprehend. Um, <clears throat> someone doing that to like a coral reef or an island yeah, or just the ocean something. just yeah, yeah just to do that that was probably my big um <clears throat> probably awakening into the activist space as well <laughs> yeah. um yeah. and yeah I remember going to oh, so many protests and various things about that and then other environmental issues that was probably the one that kind of opened my eyes to um just environmental crises I guess and then kind of got more involved in other stuff since then. Um, but, yeah, that was just horrific and I couldn't believe it. That was probably that one. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> next question. If you could do one thing to help the oceans, what would it be? Oh, I dream about this all the time. <coughs> you know, I have these really unrealistic and, and childish <coughs> fantasies about um, finding the lamp of Aladdin. Mm-hmm. and and getting three wishes and i've been doing this since childhood like if i would find this lamp what would i what would i wish for the genie to do and uh, as i gotten old as i've gotten older the wishes change have changed mm-hmm. of course um and and currently i would um probably ask the genie to take away all of the plastic pollution in the ocean like with a little wand and just go poof um and i know of course that is totally unrealistic but that is my secret dream that the plastic that is in there now obviously we want to stop it as from getting in there as well but that's my dream that and my wish that one day the oceans will be plastic free mm-hmm. yeah cool good one it's a pretty tough question <clears throat> one thing but i think <clears throat> education is always the key so i think you know encouraging people to go diving in Port Phillip Bay because I think mm. most people just see brownish, greyish water from a distance and think, you know, it's just like a lake. There's nothing much in there. But if they actually went mm. down and, and had a look at the, 
the diversity and the beauty even yeah. in Port Phillip Bay. There's a really good photo actually which kind of encapsulates that where it's um, uh, the photo, a photo of a, the ocean from like sea level, so looking out over it and all you see is blue and then a photo from the air looking down at it mm. and you can see like a shipwreck and a coral reef and all this. Yeah. And that's, that's similar to what you just said. People don't see what's in it. They yeah. just see the top of the water. Mm, that's a good one. Um, I have no idea what I would do. <laughs> I had about like eight answers for this when I was writing <laughs> the question out. I think it ranged from ending commercial whaling to, yeah, plastic pollution to plastic never having been invented to, um, oh, I don't know, I had so many other, yeah, so many um, wishes, I guess, and commercial fishing, just having no one reliant on anything from the ocean. I don't know, it was getting a bit out of hand. Um yeah, they were my kind of things that I would do as well. But I think we might be actually running out of time. We, we are out of yeah, time. Yeah, I think I'm getting the wrap-up over here. Yeah. Getting that look. Getting that look <laughs> from across the panel. Um, <laughs> cool. Well, I hope that gave everyone a little bit of insight into us and who we are and why we've kind of ended up doing a radio show together on um, ocean and marine conservation, etc. Um, we are going to wind up. We're going to wind up. We're going to leave you with Queen of <coughs> Gravity by Trixie's Undersea and that'll lead into Out of the Pan coming up next. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.